Welcome to Ancient Answers, a program where we discuss modern issues by looking towards the ancient civilizations that came before us, uh, see how they dealt with the same kind of thing. Uh, my name is Shane. And I'm Gordon. And we are going to continue our discussion on medicine. We uh, had part one of this episode last week where we discussed a lot about the origins of medicine and uh, medicine in Western civilization, talked a lot about ancient Mesopotamia, a little bit about Egypt, and a little bit about Greece. And uh, this time, we're going to take it in literally a different direction. Yeah, we realized that one of the important aspects is having a look at both ancient China and actually ancient India. Mm -hmm. Because they were civilizations that also had to address the issue of health care <laughs> in yeah. an ancient perspective. Uh, you know, they were you know, subject to plagues. They were sub <laughs> we live in through one right now. <laughs> um, subject to plagues and disease and just the... The imperfections of the human body. Yeah, of course. I mean, any, anywhere there are people, I would hope that there is healthcare and medicine as well. <laughs> well, the idea of survival. It yeah. goes right back to the early days and so on. So um, I did, took a little bit of time to delve into China mm -hmm. and ancient Chinese traditions of medicine. And it's a rich topic. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, part of this, these episodes that we do, this series, Ancient Answers, is part of our own exploration, sharing with you, the audience, what we've discovered as really interesting things to consider. Uh, I mean, sometimes we modern people think we know everything, uh, <laughs> but sometimes it's surprising to find out where the ancients actually came up with ideas. Yeah, not everything was right. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Um, but I'm going to give credit to, I'm going to first talk a bit about China and share with Shane a little bit what I found because to me it was a, an interesting exploration. And then I'll talk a little bit about India. Because I think of all the places in the world that has had an ancient civilization, India does get overlooked. It, yeah, it it really does, and and we've we've talked enough times on this podcast about how we want to expand our own horizons in terms of ancient civilizations and yep. uh, and the information that we collect. So I'm actually really excited for this because I know very very little about either of those ancient civilizations. And, and they're, they've both been on my radar for some time. So. Indeed. And then just before we finish, I'm going to touch upon uh, Mesoamerica mm, okay. and a little bit about South America. Oh, cool. Uh, because, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of records to them. We do have Mayan records that okay. give us some ideas. And that's what I'll touch upon. Okay, cool. So what had happened is uh, ancient China, as, as we know, has different dynasties. It's, it, its history has kind of fallen a, a little bit different. Uh, up until the year roughly 20, sorry, 220 BC, China was a very small, uh, extensive number of little kingdoms. You can think of it, the equivalent was like, you know, the Mesopotamia having little kingdoms. And uh, although there was a Zhao and a Zhu period before that, there's mostly, these are traditional periods, not a lot of written records. Although we do have early forms of Chinese writing from these eras, there doesn't appear to be any extensive books, if we would call that, at the time. Uh, like the Europe, like the uh, Middle East area, like the Mesopotamia area, and the area of the Eastern Mediterranean, <laughs> the most extensive number of records found in the early days of China were... <laughs> Tax records. It's a universal thing. <laughs> why do we? Why do we? We keep saying that, and it hurts me a little bit every time we, we do. laughed in the previous episode. But it is true. And oh, you know man. what? Guess what? When you find about ancient Indian records, tax records. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Of there's yep. a, lot, a lot of trade records. There's more trade records. Okay. Well, that's better. But but it's still the case. However, within these records, 
So for us to understand sort of time frame, I'm talking about roughly the year 1500 BC to roughly 500 BC in China, we have what appears to be an early development of, of medical thought that there has been, there, there was a traditional number of, of men who were trained to heal. Uh, there was actually surprisingly women okay. who were trained. It would be more like a midwife, kind of makes sense. Okay. Uh, and they would be, uh, they would learn from traditions that were passed on. There was a tradition of a traveling medicine men uh, we would call them doctors or clinicians that would travel from area to area. Now, it became much more difficult from roughly the year 900 BC to to about the year 220 uh, BC because that was a time of fragmentation through China where there was various little battling, little warlords and little kingdoms that were fighting. And uh, they often talk about it being the Western Jew and the Eastern Jew, depending on who was sort of in control. But out of that, there was a growing centralization of medicinal information. Okay. Because in their case, they used a variety of different writing techniques, everything from early paper mm -hmm. or a style of paper to parchment that they had to writing on wood. That was a favorite thing. And mm -hmm. they would carry in a sense, libraries of wood slats around that served as a reference point for medical knowledge. Oh, so it's like early, early medical journals kind of Yeah, thing, can or? you imagine that <laughs> your medical journal was the size of a, it had to be put in the back of a, of a chariot, oh, you know, or a, a wagon. <laughs> uh, but it, it would go around. And there was an attempt to teach at a location and move on to another location and teach. Mm -hmm. Now, the disruption that occurred prior to the unification under the first emperor, Shi Huangji, uh, around the year 220 BC, uh, it does appear that at that time of conflict, and certainly his military success, brought with him a demand for medical attention for his soldiers. Okay, yeah. Because he incurred what might have been up to that time a, certainly a significant number of casualties. So medical attention needed to be, and he was fanatic. If you read anything about this first emperor of China, you know he's the guy that did the terracotta, terracotta warriors. His wow. his own uh, cemetery is uh, the, the monument that's in China that's quite large. No one's ever gone into it because mm -hmm. uh, they think it's got mercury in it, and I think that's yes, probably good. Yes, I, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, actually. that seems yeah. legitimate. They've done testing. Okay. But he also reorganized the counties, if you want to call it, of China. Mm -hmm. He reorganized the the military structure, the governmental structure, and he boosted the school, the, the sort of academy of training that young men would be able to go into to become civil servants. Okay. They had to pass the exams and all that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of organization was remarkable because it also created a uniform medical information you know, spread out through the whole kingdom, the okay. whole empire. And one of the reasons why Chinese medicine has this long-lasting thought is because it has actually gone basically uninterrupted for 2,300 years. Jeez. <laughs> and so we get to give the Chinese credit to their society that that uh, integrity maintained. Mm -hmm. Now, 
it was heavily influenced by Confucius thought, okay. later with the Buddhist thought mm -hmm. as well. They kind of, and then even Tao brought their, granted Tao has kind of, kind of a hands-off approach to life anyways. Uh, but they, they, they brought that idea that the body was a mechanism that needed tinkering to be fixed. Okay. As opposed to anything that was possessed by either evil spirits or other other sort of uh, what's the word? I guess the word is uh, metaphysical kind of okay of, of, of influences. So so there was so there was less of the the spiritual supernatural aspect of yeah. it compared to Mesopotamian Egypt, like we talked about in the last episode. There that's, wasn't quite as much of that in China. That's right. Okay. And and one of the edicts is an interesting was the admonition that a doctor should not touch a patient. Oh. Which is interesting. It now, seems kind of counterintuitive now. Sounds counterintuitive, uh, but they they had thought that there would be, uh, yeah, that they should rely on their logic and intuition to figure out what's wrong with somebody, oh. and touching somebody. Well, that wasn't. I mean, touching people is not really a high part of Asian cultures, anyways, even to this day. Okay, uh, it's just it was actually kind of. Here's the here's what historians see. They would notice that some doctors, we will call them doctors, would get sick after mm -hmm. seeing a patient. Okay. So they figured, oh, did you touch the patient? Well, probably yes. Okay, you can't touch patients. Something about touching the patient oh. is going to make you sick. Okay. So the idea of Chinese medicine was, this is a generalization yeah. through the history was, the the doctor would approach the patient, would consult of the symptoms, often had an assistant do any of the physical exam. Okay. And then with their knowledge and thinking and consultation to the you know, the the, the records and mm -hmm. the medicine books, they would then make the diagnosis. Oh. And then they would prescribe the medications, they would often make the medications. And this is a generalization. There was definitely some ebbs and flows through, you know, 1,500 years of <laughs> Chinese history. Uh, but that's one of the traditions why they, in Eastern medicine to this day, yeah. carries those characteristics. That's that's really interesting. Because um, it's, it's funny because in the research that I had done on Mesopotamia and Egypt, uh, both cultures had realized that cleanliness was a factor in terms of medicine. So... Um, they learned pretty quickly actually to wash their hands before and after dealing with patients, which was something I found quite interesting considering they had no knowledge of microbiology or germ theory. They were really smart enough to put together, you know, cleanliness equals health. And so yeah, I find yeah. it interesting that the, the Chinese take on that was that they were kind of going down the same road, but they sort of came to a different conclusion. Whereas in Egypt and Mesopotamia, they just were more careful at washing their hands and, and, uh, like in Egypt, the the priests bathe, or sorry, the the physicians bathed as as if they were like priests and holy men. It was it was a very sacred thing. In China, the idea was just take a step back and have your assistant do that, and and it was more about the I guess the the thought process behind everything. Yeah, the thought process. Now, in terms of washing hands and cleaning, that was was practiced, but it, okay. it is interesting that it seemed to come and go um, as a practice. They didn't. Uh, Again, you know, human beings who didn't understand germ theory, mm -hmm. it's a big difference. I, I'd always laugh that had uh, 
had there been another three or four Ten Commandments added to uh, Moses, one of them could have been wash your hands before you do medical procedures. <laughs> would have been a big, big, oh. would have saved a lot of people's <laughs> lives. Millions of lives. Would have saved would have millions saved. of lives. Um, but this is an interesting thing that when you just don't know what you're dealing with, how do you deal with it? But you're right. Trial and error began to figure out, okay, there's something about washing hands that seems to make a difference yeah. in the long run. Um, the other interesting uh, culture, of course, is India. Mm-hmm. And, and as we've commented just even earlier in this episode, India doesn't always get a fair shake for the unbelievable richness of its ancient history. Yes, very true. Um, India is basically divided into three areas. There's the very low uh, southern area, uh, centered around the province of Kerala. Um, I've had family members go there several times. Uh, that area is famous for the number of these very slim pyramids that are built. Oh. Temple pyramids. Okay. Look very much like Mesoamerican pyramids like Tikal in oh. Guatemala. You know, okay. They're pyramids with, with short bases and tall. They're kind of tall and slim. Um, they have a lot there. The, uh, and and they're, they're principally populated by people that are ethnically classified as Dravidin. Okay. And it includes Sri Lankan as well. Okay. Uh, tend to have a darker complexion, uh, shorter statue, mm-hmm. uh, very industrious. Okay. A society of, uh, uh, they have had military conflicts and civil wars and a few things like that, but not to the extent that Europeans or even Chinese have. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next sort of group of people that would sort of uh, occupy central uh, uh, India would be... Some people call the Brahmins. I mean, today's world is so mixed up, it's hard to distinguish. But that area does seem to have been occupied by a different ethnic group. And then further to the further north, there is yet again another group of what we would call the Indus, Mm -hmm. named after the major river there. Uh, These cultures, by the year 2000 BC, now the Indus civilization was in its full form at this time yeah and i mentioned once before it's the only society we know in the in the we don't know what they call themselves we we actually have no really writing from these people yeah uh, but we have never found any weapons in any of their ruins that's astonishing to me yeah that is an interesting just point yeah uh we do know that from the archaeological records of the two principal sites that uh they had what appears to be hospitals Okay. Oh. They, because they have found implements and tools that seem to be of medical purpose yeah. as opposed to tools for carving or tools for other, you know, industrial purposes. Yeah. Uh, forceps, they have found what appears to be the process of ni- certain kinds of curved knives that would be good to go through tissue when they were yeah. working with human tissue. They have uh, what appears to be, I guess you'd call it a scraper, and we're not really sure whether it was to take off lesions or other kind of stuff. Yeah. But there has definitely been found what appears to be medical tools, always found in a particular location, a particular building. Yeah. So the thought has been, this might be the world's first chronologically hospital, a building specifically dedicated for the treatment of ill people, as opposed to only 
going out to the site of the person's residence yeah. to take care of them. Because that's, uh, from from my knowledge between you know Greece and Rome, as well as the research that I've done since on Egypt and Mesopotamia, my understanding with a lot of medical practices was that it was mostly sort of uh, at-home visits where exactly. the physician would be brought to the home to deal with the patient. Um, or the, the other option was... Uh, uh, temples. So, uh, as I mentioned before, there was a lot of association between religion and uh, and medicine in, in the in the first episode. So, because of that, a lot of people would be taken to temples to get treated by the priests. Of you know, in in Greece, it would be Asclepius. So they'd be brought to the temple to be treated by the priests, who were also medical practitioners. But what you're saying is that this looks like it may have been an actual dedicated hospital. Now, whether there was a a religious aspect to it mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to gather again it is it is a difficult ancient society to to estimate because of the, the just the lack of, of records yeah but the fact that they were as extensive I mean there's over 200 archaeological sites oh, wow. in India alone that are from this period of time yeah well, and I would imagine that um, you know archaeologists have learned a lot about excavating different sites over the years and and would yep. have an understanding of okay yep. well generally speaking, in a temple you might find these kinds of artifacts or these kinds of pieces of debris and pottery shards and, and what have you. So the fact that they're theorizing that this might have been in, uh, a dedicated hospital as opposed to a temple, let's say, I would yeah. assume that there's either evidence to support that theory or a lack of evidence to support the theory that it may have been wor- uh, a place of worship. Exactly. That'd, that'd be my guess anyway. Now, the middle sort of middle part of India's history comes a little bit later uh i mean historically there was a migration of what we would call the brahmadins Mm -hmm. to come into india around the year 1800 1600 bc okay uh and they settled in now they brought in an aryan speaking language Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why traditional indian uh well hindi uh, is an Indo-European language. Yeah. So it is dimly related to the European languages of Latin, Greece, uh, and so on. Now, the, the, the medical history there is a little bit blurry, uh, only for the fact that the Brahmins were seen as, as kind of leaders. But the medical pr- uh, practices of the very southern, the Dravidans, were much more extensive. Mm-hmm. Now, they were completely intertwined with religious and priestly kind of values. So, in fact, the hosp- if you call them hospitals or treatment places, were often associated with temples. Okay. But the interesting thing about this one was they really carried the idea that one being happy and good and morally righteous was the best protection for illness. Really? Yeah, it's definitely part of their, their poetry. That's why you see it reflected in some of the early, what we call the Indian uh, writing, hmm. the Vedas. Yeah. In fact, reflect oh, yeah, a yeah. lot of that of that thought. And if you want to interpret some of the chapters or sections or passages, you can treat them as almost a medical pr- treatise. You know, huh. here's how you do it. But it is interesting because human beings around the world have have done that. Now, the, the only last thing I want to just add in the last few minutes here is uh, Mesoamerica mm-hmm. and South America. Yeah. Primarily Mayan and Inca, or the pre-Incas, in, in fact. Uh, we don't have a lot in the Inca area, but we do know that they were 
devoid of a lot of the ill elements that have afflicted human beings. Mm-hmm. Hence the reason why they were subject to European diseases when the Europeans showed up. Yeah. Same with Mayans and Aztecs and all that. Yep. The Mayans have a written record and they definitely had a medical tradition. Okay. But it was entirely wrapped up to the signs of the stars, to the signs of the plants, to growing seasons, to mystic, to numbers. Of course, the calendar oh, had a yeah, yeah. huge role in their in their lives. And therefore, they saw that certain times of the year, certain diseases would happen oh. and so on. And they developed on almost a self... Well, one scholar said a kind of a self-fulfilling idea that if they thought they were going to get sick because the 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 calendar was coming to a bad time yeah. or certain signs in the sky uh it was weird he said they seemed to be able to find that there would be an illness that would come along at the time that they predicted yeah well and we we know nowadays with modern psychology that there there is something to that where if you are convinced that you know you have this illness you'll actually start showing the symptoms i mean i remember reading a news article years ago about a woman who was who thought that she was pregnant and actually exhibited symptoms of early pregnancy and when they did further examinations they found there was absolutely nothing going on no, it's and it the was, human it was, mind can yeah, do a lot of tricks exactly so it so that's interesting that but if, i find that really interesting because what we've mentioned now several times about the religious and medicinal overlaps but with the mayans it seems to be more of sort of a astrological medicinal which overlap. was part of their religious yeah. deeply ingrained in math yeah, and true. numbers and calendars and and things like that yeah, yeah. so it's okay so it's the, the same but a little bit different i guess well it's certainly different from our time now yeah that's where true. the dependencies however and sort of as a wrap-up to this uh, two-part episode you know medicine today still has even in the western tradition bits and pieces of these other culture i mean there are people who do believe in faith healing yeah that's true that's yeah. that's part of it we do believe that if you think positive and that if you uh, uh, you know you will heal faster mm-hmm. well that's a psychological thing that yeah maybe there's a, a mind to body connection yeah. but that is sort of part of what people were thinking about in the ancient days yeah. that if you if you think healthy then the gods will bless you if you do the right you know the the right rights yeah uh, you know that they would you would be blessed with health because you were doing the right thing yeah and it still kind of lingers on to the yeah, state that's that's true the whole mind over matter I guess mind over matter that, so. so there we go there's uh, the end of uh, this episode we're glad mm-hmm. to thank you very much for listening uh, we endeavored to bring interesting things about ancient history and how they relate and how ancient peoples tried to solve their own problems many yeah. of which are the same problems we have today. <laughs> yeah, take that as you will. But uh, my name is Shane. And my name is Gordon. Yeah. And thank you for listening to another episode of Ancient Answers. And please don't forget to check us out on social media. We have a Facebook page. We're going to be setting up Twitter and Instagram, I think we talked about. And YouTube. And YouTube. Sure. We're going to be getting that going. We're, we're really getting off the ground in Season 2. And uh, uh, don't forget to listen to our podcast on Anchor. You can find links there to the rest of our uh, social media pages. So. Yeah, we're going to make 2021 a better year. <laughs> it's a low bar, Gordon. It's a low bar. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.